family, Karma Fam. Giddy up, Karma Fam. <laughs> Get on the horse. Deanna We're all has riding. our Mick Cafe this morning. I have my Mick Cafe <laughs> coffee. And it's like the sad thing is, is it's not even like directly from McDonald's. <laughs> the sad <laughs> thing is... <laughs> <laughs> it's the coffee grounds that I'm trying to make. Because, like, I think this is what it is. You want to hear what it is? Well, let's give a little background. That So Deanna's household ran out of coffee, and her partner, her husband, Andrew, went to Safeway and brought bought McCafe coffee grounds just for Deanna. And I was like, he was like, I knew you'd love this. But okay, so I want to ask you, actually. Okay. I have a question. Yes. Tell me about your first coffee experience. (gasps) Well, okay. I didn't drink coffee seriously until grad school, which was like my late 20s. Really? But I did drink a lot of those like iced mocha frappuccino type drinks in so your high first school. coffee that's a yes. coffee that's a that coffee. is coffee but i would drink like maybe half of it and then i'd be it like it was too caffeinated it was just like too much it was too cold it was there were too many calories like it was too yeah. sweet but so in boulder you know where the einsteins and starbucks is on the corner of broadway yeah. and baseline that Starbucks used to be Peaberry Coffee. And any Colorado Was that a drive-thru, though? No, it was not a drive-thru. That's but the thing about that Starbucks, though. It's not a drive-thru. It's tra- not a drive-thru. It needs That's to why be. I never go. It needs to be. But where the traffic is there too wild. There are no Starbucks drive-thrus, by None. the way, in Boulder. None. Not There's one. There's no coffee drive-thrus, except no. for McDonald's and like And Burger Dunkin' King. Donuts. And Dunkin' Donuts, which <laughs> we just the only about. ones. So you have to go to Superior, which is like a 10-minute drive away, which like who wants to do that? No. But um, so Peaberry Coffee was like the spot. Me and my friends went there like every single day for lunch or after school. We'd go to mm-hmm. Einstein's and get a bagel. It was like the spot. So that was kind of like my first coffee. How about you? My first coffee is I was in college and I was dating someone a lot older than me. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot older, he was like eight years older. Yeah, but at that age, it feels a lot I know. older. You're like, oh my God, an yeah. older man. So, hey, oh, you're going to love this. Okay. So we were, <laughs> so I was, in, it was summer and I was taking summer school and it was, we were going on, not to brag, but it was Trey Anastasio tour. <laughs> Do you know who that is? Yeah. Isn't he from like. One of those 90s bands. He's the lead singer of Fish. It was yes. even like a Fish <laughs> tour. And so we had to drive down. It was 5 p.m. And we had to make it down to North Carolina. And he's like, I know you don't drink coffee, but I got you this hot coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. He put like five sugar. 12 su- <laughs> yeah, like 12 sweeteners like four half and half and it was the first time I ever drank coffee and, and I what, was probably like 19 20 and how did you feel about it did you like it oh I drank the whole <laughs> thing and I was up all night because I never drank did like, you feel nauseous no yeah because you were probably young enough your body was just like I can My handle bo- this and you know it's like when you're doing like drugs and stuff yeah. it's like your body's like oh this is nice for my 
Drugs are bad. I'm not promoting. Drugs are terrible. They do are. not do drugs. I'm not. I mean, say, I'm not romanticizing. I was. I was just. I should say I was destroying my body when I was 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So the coffee was like NBD. The coffee was like <laughs> vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, anyway, okay, well, welcome Karma to fan. another <laughs> another crazy episode. Another Indra, I love your hair. Oh, thanks. It looks like shit. <laughs> you know what's wild is you just cut it and it's so long. No, I didn't. Actually, I cut it in like September. Was so. that September? <laughs> <laughs> I actually so we need to give everyone an update. What happened? You and I both got our second vaccines. Yes. This past week. Sick as shit. So uh family karma people, if you're listening. What are you gonna say? We will be we will be fully vaccinated by the time of your premiere, whenever the hell that happens. Oh my gosh, I didn't even Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I'm so excited. I'm will so excited. Come yes, to yes, Miami yes, yes. to be at that fucking party in a what heartbeat. What the fuck? Invite and us. one of you better put us on the well, guest list. Well, the thing list. is, is like, why does so all these Bravo podcasts get invited to these premieres? They get like sent these like series like snippets. Do yeah. you see? Or maybe I just see because I'm on Twitter. We don't get Bravo. PR. And you know what? The Family Karma cast members, they love us because we love them and we would love to celebrate with them. So just putting it out there. And I want to say, I want to say is like in a month, you might see on our Instagram us together on vacation. You will see. <laughs> yes. And, we, and, we and are there going. Might be, there might be pissed off people because that's what I think with celebrities. No, no, no. When you see them. But we're fully vaccinated. Okay, I need to. I need to just say okay, that everyone clarifying a lot. Everyone can have their own everyone has their own way of getting through this pandemic and their levels of what is comfort yours? and yeah. safety. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I think me and my family have been relatively conservative yes. in terms of how much we've gone out. We we kept leave out of a daycare school setting oh for my gosh, almost an safe. entire yeah. year. Like we really did a lot. We did not travel, all of this stuff. Now that I'm fully vaccinated, like yeah, at what the do you two feel? week mark, I'm going back to my normal life. Like, yeah. you know, I need to watch out for my son because he's not vaccinated. So like we will not be eating out indoors as a family and stuff like that at restaurants and stuff. Probably not like traveling on a plane with him. But mm-hmm. I am getting on a plane 100 100. well you know they say the plane (laughs) is the safest place because of the air circulation and tbd because i have not been on a plane since february but you and i have tickets to palm springs we're going to palm springs (laughs) for deanna's 40th i hope to do bingo is that okay (laughs) i'm not kidding is this a thing that I need to know about you? So, okay. So I'm, I like bingo. Okay. <laughs> I, um, and I heard like, so, so <laughs> I like it a lot. And I heard they have drag queen bingo down there. Oh, okay. Hell on yes. like a Hell Saturday yes. at yes. like 11 a.m. You're like there with your mimosa and you're dotting like, do, 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 do. Like, I think the difference between 
regular bingo and drag queen bingo okay. is like night and day, right? So I'll take either one. Okay. 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 We're, Just for the record. You'll be seeing us <laughs> posting on our Instagram stories at bingo and palms. Like, you're, you're all there with us, right? You're all there with us. And we might have to record there or no we'll record that friday morning our patreon yeah we'll figure we'll, that out. we'll see we'll figure it out but we love you all why did i say that no okay but today, <laughs> <laughs> we t- i was i thought we were like ending like okay. wrapping it up uh, like goodbye namaste bitches yeah bye bye <laughs> um we do want to talk about our episode today because actually i'm not totally done editing the episode yet but Listening back to it. How's the conversation? It's an excellent conversation. Um, We spoke. And this is something that we were both looking. The topic was something that we were both looking forward to, which is about body hair. Yes. And to fill it in uh, with Lakshmi's Mooch. Yes. So this is a children's book called Lakshmi's Mooch. A children's book to to kind of like fit it in that groove. Mm-hmm. Don't you agree? Was like perfect. And I think Shelly, who is the author of the book, Shelly Anand. Um, so she wrote this children's book called Lakshmi's Much. Um, you should uh, read it. Find it wherever you can. Read it to your kids. It's all about. And embrace your mood. And, and like we really wanted to have a talk, as Deanna said, about body hair. And she really ended up being the perfect person the to talk perfect. to about it. And we not only did we talk about that, we got into all sorts of things about Indian Indian beauty standards. We talked about colorism a bit. Um, we talked about all sorts of amazing things. Um, and, you know, Deanna and I both grew up being self-conscious about our body hair for various reasons. And we kind of just talk about like... Yeah those experiences and where we are now and like maybe how we should approach this topic going forward, especially for us as mothers with young children. And it doesn't even matter that we have boys, like every gender. I think it's interesting that we both thought we were so alone. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm like the only girl with like kind of a mustache. It was basically a mustache and yeah, all this body hair. Mm hmm. And like, yeah, you just realize like this is a common experience that we go through. And then right. kind of how where you go with it. Like, did you choose to remove the hair? Did you not? Right. Why? Like, where are you at with it now? So we kind of talk about all of that stuff. We'd love to hear your feedback. Like, oh, 100%. Please DM us and tell us what your experiences were because it's such a interesting topic and I think the thing that I found interesting with what we talked about is who is the first person to point out your body hair yes totally um so I have to bring it to Bravo because um, uh, always past- to Bravo always <laughs> so to Bravo. I know you're not watching Summer House um I heard it's incredible it actually is a really great season and I kind of wish you would watch it because I know that you but like. But can I jump in? Yeah. Because I have all of May off because I'm in between classes and May. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just just jump in. You know, you can jump into any Bravo show and get pot caught up. I mean, like, remember when I've like tried you because you've jumped into a sum and I've jumped it. And it's like you try to say, like, what should I know? And you're like, 
And it is always that, right? Yeah. It's I always mean, just like, just jump in. I And I can get you caught up on anything you need to know. But okay, one topic came up this week on the topic of body hair, which I just have to ask you. And if you don't want to answer, you don't have to. Oh, always. So there's this whole conversation at the pool and the women are talking about how they all shave their buttholes. Okay. Is that... I've I have so okay so I have never shaved my butthole but I've been to a waxing and bleaching session. Well, yes, okay. Waxing a butthole is very different from shaving is, can a butthole. I, I'm not trying to get gross. Can I say yeah, something? Yeah, no, go for it. So it seems like there's a couple of wrinkles. Yes, and if you're shaving, you're gonna <gasps> nick it. I it. Patrick and I were both like, that is such a sensitive area. Like, yeah. and you can't oh, so really Patrick, see what did pa- Patrick was watching. So I Patrick love loves Summer House. <gasps> he loves Summer House. He has seen the whole show. <gasps> so <laughs> he's the expert. Like, if we ever talk about Summer House, we're going to oh have to have God. Patrick on. <laughs> oh, my God. But um, so he was like. He was like, what? And I Are they bleaching him like, too? Like one of the women, Paige, she definitively says every woman shaves her butthole. That's not true. It's not true. But I have. I know people I've remove their waxed. hair. Yeah. I've had it waxed. That's different. Like I've never done it, but I know some people do. Well, do you know what it was? Do. And this is getting really in- intense. Yeah. It's <laughs> like they're doing, they're kind of like go- doing their thing and you're just like, praying to God, looking at the ceiling with the tears forming. (laughs) And then they're like, okay, turn over. And they're moving your body this way. And then they're just like, keep going. They're taking it all off. Because, you know, it's like I, you know, it's like we said, you're South Asian. I'm Italian. Mm -hmm. It's like. There's a lot going on down there. there, We're never, if we go single, people, we're never getting dates after this. Oh, you know what? Or maybe people like that. You you know know what? what? People got to accept it. And I have to say. And we decided at the end. That's the thing. It's like, you got it. No. You got to accept us and And our body hair. Okay. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Why? I want to hear though. No, I think we, uh, we talked about it all in the conversation with Shelly. We need to talk about something else, which we have to say. So I, so you text me, I text you, Deanna, holy shit. Jen Shaw DM'd me. (laughs) Jen Shaw DM'd Indra. After what in response to so I reposted the meme that we put up, which was like it was like me realizing that Jen Shaw was behind like the IRS spam call that I got to get today or something. Mm-hmm. And I put that up and I said, we talked about Jen Shaw on our Thirsty 30 episode this week. Listen to it. And she writes back to me and I'm not going to say what she said here. We're going to talk about it on our Thirsty 30 episode. And we also have to talk about, because I don't even know if she follows us on Instagram. And that needs to... Uh, She does. She She does. does. She started early on. We DM'd early on because she loves Family Karma. Oh, good. Because she follows us and we followed her, but now I unfollowed her. Just because it's... Yeah, it's too much. Well, she's, she's on... We'll talk about this more on Friday, but I will say that she is still active on social media. I think we've all seen it. Which it's like, Jen, get off of social media. So this is another plug 
to join us on our Patreon because I'm going to talk about the DM on Friday and we're going to just talk about that a little bit more and then other Bravo and pop culture stuff for sure. Um, thank you to our new patrons. Yes. Because we love you. And yes. And, we, and hop on. It's $1 a month. A $1 a month. And in addition to getting the content, like you're supporting us and we just like really thank right. you so much for that. So you guys are the best. And... I think that's it. This has been a long intro. So we'll get into our conversation with Shelly. It's really fantastic. Make sure you check out her book. If you have young children and you don't really know how to talk to them about body hair and they're, you know, if they have questions about it, please, I recommend this book. Like it's called Lakshmi's Mooch. It's available in many places. Um, and enjoy our conversation with Shelly Anand. Shelly, we obviously want to talk about your children's book, which when I saw it, I was like beyond thrilled. Um, And we're talking about body hair. And one thing that I wanted to bring up for a while is like this phenomenon of COVID hair loss. Mm -hmm. Has anyone else experienced this? Because I'm always losing hair. Yeah. I mean, I think stress, um, I I think, I think my hair is, my hair thinned after both my children. Um, mm. My daughter is going to be four, so my youngest, and so um, it thinned significantly. But I, I think it's it's kind of gone back to that postmenopausal place yeah. because <laughs> yeah. I think because of all the like the stress. Come last summer, fall, I was like, because I had a baby in 2019, and I had gone through the kind of shedding experience with that shortly afterwards and, like, the regrowth. But then it started happening again, and I was like, oh, my God, what's mm. happening? You know, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, you know, I feel like it's thinned out a lot on the sides, yeah. like it did after I had my kids, so... Yeah. And I definitely see... I definitely saw, like, clumps of hair in the shower throughout the last yes. year. And then my husband's grown out his hair. Mm-hmm. Like, he has, like, the COVID beard and, like, long <laughs> hair going. He has, like, the Ali Sheedy, like, <gasps> bob. I say... I yeah! <laughs> like, uh, from the 80s? From the 80s. Like, he has this, like, little bob, and he wears, like, our daughter's headbands. And, like, you look oh. like Ali Sheedy in the breakfast club when she gets all like cleaned up i love that Um, oh my god and he took it as a compliment he's like this is gonna be my look i'm gonna be like an alley sheedy (laughs) what kind of hair does he have is his dry or curly or straight so his is like thick curly his mom is irish or like their irish family and they have like this Mm -hmm. thick curly kind of coarse hair his is not as coarse but it's very thick and it used to be a lot curlier when he was younger. Um, but it's it's still like wavy. He needs product. Yeah. He uses my <laughs> hair, my hair product. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so like when talking, we want to talk about body hair in general, but like especially in relation to your story, Lakshmi's Mooch. And, you know, so I'm Indian. Deanna is American, Italian American. And so So we're hairy. We've yeah. Very, yes. Very we have yeah. all experienced this and I think what's so so actually why don't you just tell us a little bit about like how this book came to be, the inspiration and everything behind it. Sure. So I was on um maternity leave with my daughter back in 2017 and um you know, I 
both of my kids, my kids are biracial. My husband's um, Midwestern, white Midwestern <laughs> man mm-hmm. uh, from Wisconsin. And, um, but, and so they have, you know, um, a mix of our features, but they definitely are like super hairy. It's just yeah. like lighter hair color, but they definitely have like dark hair too. It's just kind of funny to see like how your kids come out when you're <laughs> mixed race family. Um, but you know, so I, yeah, I was on mat leave with her and, um, I'm, you know, I have a really great, um, group of friends community here in Decatur and in Atlanta. Um, and one of my, one of my friends, she's also, they see, um, Pakistani and her and I talk, I mean, we always talk about South Asian issues and we're both like families of refugees from partition. And we just have a lot in common. Um, but she called me and she's like, I don't know what to do. Um, her daughter was in kindergarten and like came home crying uh, about her mustache, like that some white girl made fun of her mustache or yeah. some hairless child <laughs> made fun of her mustache. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's, we thought that was pretty young. And I remember myself, you know, I was probably teased about my hairiness later on, like fourth, fifth grade, close to tween, tween teen years. Um, and so, you know, we were like, well, we're not, you know, you're not going to take a six-year-old to get her lip waxed or threaded. Um, and so, you know, we talked, there's this artist I really like named Aika Khan. Um, she's a Pakistani artist, South Asian artist. And um, she uh, she goes by, what does she go by now on Instagram? It's like Desi Cyborg or something. She's really cool. She's like <laughs> really rad, really young artist at, um, I think she's in, school at Cooper Union, but she had all these really fun um, illustrations that she had done of like hairy brown women with their leg hair showing and armpit hair showing and their mutches showing just like roller skating or drinking a milkshake and all of that. And I was like, you know, it was just like really beautiful art. So I, sh- you know, showed that to her and I kind of was, I was like, man, I wish, um, there was a way to talk about, I just started thinking about my own, like it just brought back all these memories of my own, you know, hair removal journey and just like mm-hmm. how it's just such a big issue and, um, you know, in all households, but particularly South Asian house households, like hair removal is like a really big thing. And it's like this rite of passage for, for a lot of um, South Asian women, because we're very hairy and we're held to these like really crazy beauty standards. Um, and some of the things that we went through were kind of crazy. Like I started thinking like, oh my God, my mom used to put bleach on my face to like bleach my my mustache. And I would put yeah. nair on my arms mm. and legs. And, mm. you know, and I remember girls um, having burns on their, around their mouth because a, a home wax went bad. Um, and just like all the stuff we had to go through that, you know, um, other kids that have blonde hair, or light hair, didn't have to go through, and I just wanted it to be different for for our girls, for for yeah. kid, for hairy kids. Um, and so that's where the idea for for the book came. And it was very, you know, I had never written a picture book before, um, and so it was a journey. But I I, I had to play around with um, how to write it. Like I I found my journal from fifth grade at my parents' house. Mm. Oh my God. And in that journal, um, there's this passage in there about these two boys making fun of me. And I remember it 
I like, I read it and I was like, wow. oh my gosh, I remember this day. And they were sitting yeah. across from me and they're like, Shelly has a mustache. And were they white? No, one was he one was black, one was Indian, but what hurt was this this white girl that I thought was my friend was like laughing along with them. Oh, God. And I was so upset. You know, I was oh. like, you know, boys, I was like, whatever, I'm gonna, you know, beat you up on the soccer field. Yeah. Because yeah. it was like that yes. age. But you know, this like girl that's my friend is like laughing at me. And yeah, you know, um, girl girls at that age can be so cruel to one another. Yeah. And I think yeah, I think the pressure to look a certain way in your teen years actually comes from other girls. And mm-hmm. um, and so that's where, like, in the book, there's this girl, Zoe. And initially, Zoe was, like, more of a bully. But um, I wanted it also to be, like, a roadmap for, you know, light-haired, light-skinned mm-hmm. kids and how they explore difference and recognize that they have hair, too. It's just a different color. Um, and make it be this, like, playful exploration rather this place of like this place of wonder and playfulness rather than meanness and I think that's what I'm trying to convey and it's just been really cool you know um when the book came out I have friends that were like oh my daughter you know never realized she had hairy legs and now she's excited that she's hairy (laughs) and I mean that I never thought that would actually happen but it is and it's just like that's really really cool um and it's made me bolder in my own hairiness too. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, did you um, did you write it and then get a literary agent and then the literary agent get a publisher or was yeah? It kind that's of- I mean, there are a whole bunch of different ways you can do it. I'm really, really blessed. Um, my good friend from college is my agent, and she didn't yeah. take me on as a client right away though. She was like, "This is good, <laughs> but like, yeah, go read some picture books because it was like you know I." grew up in the 80s and 90s and picture books were very different back then. It was very like, I'm walking to school and my shoes are red. Um, And, (laughs) you know, it's like very literary now. So I just started reading, I go to the library, go to the kids bookstore, and I just started reading a bunch of like picture books post 2014, post 2015. Um, And I joined a writing group and I got involved with the um, SCWBI, which is like the I don't remember what that acronym stands for. It's like picture uh, children's uh, book illustrators and authors, and they have writing groups and critique groups. And I, I found a critique group, group through that. Um, and so I worked on it for like quite a few months. And my friend that had the the little girl who was teased, the my muse, she helped me a lot. And we had a lot of conversations. And then Subba, my agent, um, uh, I sent it to her like six, seven months later, like after working on it a bit. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wow, you've been you've been working on it. And then she's like, we started having a back and forth and she was giving me feedback and loved the concept. And so she took me on as a client um, and then, you know, continued to, to work on it, work on it. And um, she then put it out on submission and, and Kokila, Namrita Tripathi at Kokila uh, really liked it and, and picked it up. So, yeah, and that's a good example of like having a brown person or brown people behind right. the curtain. Yeah, for sure. To see it and recognize. And one thing I loved about it was that the beginning and end has this like visual page that shows Hindi words that are used in the book and their English translations and like mm-hmm. little pictures. So, like, I'm wondering how you, um, how that part of the process kind of evolved. Did you, did you always see it having Hindi in it or did you like want 
did that evolve or yeah how did that kind of happen yeah I always had Hindi in it because I wanted it to I, well, I wanted it to be a reflection of what our homes can sound like if you are Hindi or Urdu, Urdu speaking um that you know this is how we talk to our parents and mm-hmm. um I definitely saw Lakshmi as a bit of me like you know first generation so I know it's different for our kids but that's how I envisioned it and that's how like I spoke with my mother um, mm-hmm. and so I, I knew I wanted, um, I wanted to, it to be reflective of what our homes sound like. And I didn't want to be doing, um, direct translations in the text. I wasn't, um, I really wanted to write for us, not for, yeah. um, not for the white gaze, you know, um, people can Google and yeah. fi- you can figure out what a lot of it means anyway. Um, and then the idea for the cover papers came from from Namrita, came from Kokila, um, you know, just as a glossary, but it's also like a fun, illustrative way. And it's like, look, these are some words you're going to be learning as you read this book. And you can quickly flip on either side to see what it means. But I really didn't want it to be like, you know, I didn't want to be like alu gobi, spicy potatoes and cauliflower. <laughs> like I didn't want it because that's we don't do that. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. What was your first um, hair removal process like? Do you mind talking about that? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was. And I want to say it was bleach. I think my mom, I was in fifth grade and I had after getting teased. I mean, that was a tough year for me. Generally, I had moved to a new school and it was just like that time where you're like turning 11 and like you're still a kid, but you're like supposed Mm -hmm. to be cool. And I was like, not I didn't get the memo on the cool part and I was like really <laughs> nerdy and you know everyone was like supposed to write about like a great American of the 20th century and I they in my library they had the feminine mystique by Betty Friedan in an elementary wow. school library <laughs> wow did you know okay. what that was no you- so I wrote no so I wrote I did my book report on Betty Friedan and like wow I did this little drawing of contraception and they what? called and they called my mom. They're like, Do you know? And, and my mom's like, Why are you calling me? Like, I'm working. Like, you had this book in your library. That's your problem. Yes. Like, you know, like and shouldn't these girls be learning about contraception anyway? anyway yes. yes. Yeah. Your mom. Totally. I know. I know. So um, you know, she she was also teased in India as a hairy woman, because it's it's not just here, it's like part of our our mm-hmm. culture, like people, I would go to the salon with her and they'd be like, yes, like clean it up, clean, you need to clean up your face. And it's like nonstop, right? It's like yeah, you do yeah. the much and then they want you to do your chin or your sideburns, yeah. like all the little hairs, they just want it off. And um, so I think my mom did bleach because I guess she thought that would be because that's what she did. She bleached it and turned it blonde um, and it would it would itch and it was really red and not fun. This is your mustache. Yeah. That you were yeah, yeah. I would bleach my mustache. And I think she let me shave my legs. And then I think in middle school, I started doing threading. There's like a local um, beauty salon called Ruby aunties. Uh, it's like this smiley <laughs> auntie uh, that is here and like right next to the Indian grocery store. So I would go there and get threading, which is also quite painful. And then I started waxing my arms are putting nair on my arms, which is awful. 
also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the smell of Nair is terrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is Nair even like a thing anymore? Like, I don't know. Is it? Yeah. You can still find it. Yeah. You can still find it at Walmart and stuff like that. Well, yeah. I mean, hair removal. Deanna, what were some of your first memories of hair removal? Um, So I was not conscious of it until my older sister started calling me Sasquatch. And I was like, (laughs) what? That is rough. Wow. And this is what it is. It's like the teasing, which is why I'm so glad that was part of the book. Yeah. And so I would go to school with it like right here. And I just I still have hairy arms. I have a trail down my back. I have a trail down my stomach. Mm -hmm. Same. What about you, Indra? Well, so this is an interesting thing is like the hair removal beauty stand. My mom was kind of interesting because she did all these things herself. Like she shaves her arms mm, and still um, she, she still shaves them. I'm like, wow, rough. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and um, I don't know that she does anything to her mustache, but she it wasn't like when I wanted to start shaving my legs, they were like, no. Yeah. They were like, you can't they do didn't that. Say, yeah. You're too young. But then it's like, I think the thing that I was most self-conscious about with my body hair was always my mooch, my mustache. Mm-hmm. Like I was mm. always like jealous of the white girls yeah. who had blonde hair and it didn't show up. And like, of course, you know, I'm realizing that there were women who had darker hair who probably were experiencing the same thing. But like... I was I was too scared. I'm like some of the things that I was then I'm still am now. I was like too scared to use wax and nair mm-hmm. on my face. So I was like, I'm just gonna let it go and like just hope that whatever. And I honestly only recently have found a tool that I feel comfortable enough using to remove my mustache hair. What is it? So it's this like it's this coil thing mm-hmm. with like rollers on the end is it an epilady no well maybe i don't know what it's called but it's made by tweezerman and like mm. you basically just like roll it on your skin and it pulls the hairs out does it hurt oh, wow. i mean it doesn't feel great but right. it's, it's honestly not that bad and i i have like sensitive skin like i've had band-aids when I take them off, like tear my skin off. So I'm like, so I'm like extra scared of wax and stuff like that. And it's just like, but it's, I just remember that it was something that I was always self-conscious about. It was always something where I was like, people, one of the reasons people don't find me attractive is because I have brown skin and because like I have more body hair than other people. Yeah, that's a big part of it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what, um, we kind of want to break that that pattern and it's so much of it is like a legacy of colonization and mm-hmm. it is very much tied with like you know shadism colorism racism of like having darker skin and being hairy or you know the the british said such awful things about what indian people looked like and and mm-hmm. everything about our culture so or south asian culture um so, I mean, I think that's that's the thing. Like, that starts at a very young age where girls um, and, and boys, too. Like, I've had some some um, folks come, come tell me about these horror stories for, you know, boys that were maybe hairier than normal for their age, quote unquote, and their parents would make them um, shave their 
their sideburns or, Mm -hmm. you know, do things like that. And I had a friend tell me that her son, she read the book to him and her older son opened up to her about the fact that he was uh, shaving his legs and she didn't even know it, but he felt, he felt so ashamed or so embarrassed by his hairiness that he was doing this without her even knowing. And so, you know, I think, um, a lot of what, what, you know, the body positivity movement, whether it's about body shape and size or about, about skin color or about body hair with Lakshmi is to kind of intercept kids really young before they inhale or, um, get indoctrinated into like the toxicity of, you know, patriarchal culture where we're taught that we have to be thin and light skin and right. hairless mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I think that's, that's what it's, what it's about. And it's been very healing for me writing this book and having it released because so many women have been like, I wish I had this book when I was growing up. And I'm like, me too. Um, But I wanted it for our kids. And um, it's made me a little bit bolder, even like, you know, it's the pandemic, I definitely haven't gone to the salon. Yeah, (laughs) my much is out my pandemic much is out like my eyebrows are grown out, but they've been waxed for the last, you know, 25 years. So mm-hmm. this isn't what they look like. Like they haven't like, it's just like the hair hasn't grown back anymore. I know. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, the thing. Me. It's like, especially like, um, well, it's weird because, you know, as, as old as, as much older as we are and how much we know, we can still look at the ideal beauty. And I think for me is like, and be like, oh, wow. Like I kind of want to fit into that mold. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and it's just interesting how the media just supports, you know, and, and like just these beauty brands support it, even though we're kind of expanding, it's not doing enough. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a lifelong journey for me as an Indian. Like um, I have never removed my arm hair and I don't have very much of it. Like Mm. I think relative to other Indians, like it's not that visible, but like when you wear Indian clothes and you wear bangles and stuff, like the ideal is like, you have these smooth arms to the yeah. bangles, like whatever. And I'm kind of like, you know, I haven't had to wear like formal Indian clothes in a while, but like we'll have to at some point again. And I'm still kind of like, oh, should I be removing it? Should I not? And I'm just kind of like, like, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I feel like the minute I start, I'm going to have to like yeah. maintain it in some way or whatever. It's like a lot of hair to remove and like, as I said, waxing like is not really an option for me. So I'm like, what else would I do? I'm not using Nair. No. So yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it is I a think, lot to maintain. Yeah. And it yeah. is like just like the sweater and like the the wool and the yarn. It's just like you just keep pulling it, you know, and how much, you know, and then the sweater is all unraveled. I think also, especially it's interesting with like, could we go to like pubic hair and like <laughs> how we're supposed to fit? Like, you know, like just being Italian American, it's like our pubic hair is not nice and neat. You know, it's just like it grows down the leg. It grows underneath and whatever. And um, the fact that, you know, if we think of like, you know, what ideally like you want to like people have put it in our brain to have like no hair down there 
and whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's crazy. I I can't. Like I just. I mean, I th- I remember being in college or law school, and I got a bikini. Like you know, got not. I didn't get a Brazilian, but I got a wax, and I was like, I look like a child. Like this is sick. Yeah. Like that's how yeah. I feel. I'm not judging anyone. I think people should do what they want, do what makes them feel of good. I mean, I'm definitely not telling anyone not to do, you know, body hair grooming. I mean, one of the things with Lakshmi is, um, you know, I made a mother, um, you know, the mother figure is a big part of Lakshmi's story because our mothers are a big part of our hair removal story, what they do. And, and, you know, Indra, like what you were saying about your mom, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, do two camps of parents and it is this like rite of passage into womanhood when you're starting mm-hmm. to remove your hair. Cause it means you're no longer a child and you have to like look a certain way as a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for a lot of parents, they want to like delay that as much as possible. I think from, for me, my mom started at 11, 12 because I was being tormented in school. Yeah. Um, and so, and she was tormented as well. And so I think she just didn't want that for me. Yeah. And I certainly don't blame her for doing what she did, but you know, I think it's about choice. And, and as a child, you should have the, you should have the tools to, to feel beautiful, no matter what you look like and um, have, you know, have an arsenal of, you know, what, what, what are you going to say? And like Lakshmi says, you have a much too, it's just blonde. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'll, you know, and, and make it into a game. But, you know, Lakshmi's mother is someone who says, I have a much too. She doesn't, you know, it's basically implied that she's not one to like remove her body hair. Um, mm. And I, you know, I'm certainly not Lakshmi's mom, but I wanted, I, re- I really wanted to have a book where hair removal was not the answer. Mm-hmm. And right. so I kind of see Lakshmi's mother as aspirational and like someone that I, you know, aspire to be that confident and, and all those things. But I'm certainly not saying to any woman you shouldn't just like makeup or anything else. Like you should do what you want, but it should, it exactly. should be your bodily autonomy. Um, not some other like forced narrative, you know, around what women's pubic hair should look like, right. or mm-hmm. what your face should look like, what your eyebrows should look like. Um, you know, and it's so funny cause there's like these trends, like there was a time where like bushy, bushy eyebrows are now back in and I'm like, yeah. cool. well, you guys made me wax my eyebrows for I 20 know. years. So yeah, bushy exactly. eyebrows are gone. <laughs> I'm like, thanks a lot. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I even think of like, I'll reveal. So I had my eyebrows microbladed and I, I, like when I was getting them done, I was like, look at me, like, look. And, and I mean, a more of like absurd ways, like. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like I was a teenager in the 90s. So I, I like was looking at Drew Barrymore, who, who is blonde <laughs> and light. And it's like razor thin eyebrows. And so, you know, as a confused teenager looking at the Kate Mosses who, and the Drew Barrymores, it's like I overplucked my eyebrows. And then, like you said, Shelly, it's like all of a sudden society is like, okay, like grow them in. And then my eyebrows are now so flipping patchy that like I literally got them like tattooed on my face and now I they're they're full yeah you know I, I don't I'm what, not sure where I'm going with there but it's just like it's so rid- no but it's like we were forced to do a lot I mean I did you guys see this there's this documentary that just came out with the actress who played Punky Brewster yes the have Kinnity? you seen that Oh yeah, my god, that movie is so good. Oh, I know. It was so so good. So, I mean, I I mean I, I think it really embodied cuz it was not easy um being 
a non-white kid in the, yeah you know in the eight, i mean ever um it's not easy now <laughs> um but especially back then i mean we had no one like we had bollywood mm -hmm. and but bollywood is so full of crap also yeah <laughs> like, yes you know yes. like you know i i rewatched um like some of the movies i grew up watching with like my kids are you know i'm like okay let's, let's watch a bollywood movie and i'm like this is so awful like yeah. the messages <laughs> that are like i watched jandani and like um, rishi kapoor is like stalking shri devi i'm like this is not healthy <laughs> This is not. It's so true. And yeah. Shelly, uh, Indra and I have been, we followed, um, we watched this reality show called The um, Fabulous Life of Bollywood Lives. Oh, I tried to, I tried, I tried. I, I know. Yeah, but but we started to kind of dive into like the misogyny, um, mm -hmm. like that, just the underbelly and how it's like incestuous. Yeah, and it's awful. There's little room for like the female, um, a female lens yes. in yeah. that whole world. So it's sorry. Very, so no, no. I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, I grew up watching, you know, Shah Rukh Khan, you know, Shah Rukh Khan was a really big deal and he was right. such a gateway to Indian culture for so many diaspora kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was lovely in doing what he does. I mean, he's like, you know, comfort food, but right. it's <laughs> like, but it's also like, yeah, I mean, really unhealthy relationships with women, um, women not right. having any autonomy, um, you know, yeah, you know, women have, we, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, it's awful. And, you know, now, you know, at least back then you had Kajal, she had a unibrow, women mm. were, uh, you know, not stick thin. And now it's just right. like, it's come and it's, a, it's impacted the men too. I mean, speaking of hair, I'll watch Akshay Kumar mm. and he's like, mm -hmm. they've all waxed their chests. And I'm like, I'm right. sorry, yeah. these guys had carpets on their chests. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my God. What happened? Like I went and I found like a video of like Kilari from the nineties and it's like up to, like up to his chin, yeah, <laughs> his chest hair. And I'm like, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it's also like colonial, like yes. Western beauty standards. These men right. are like ripped. I don't know how many types of steroids they're on. Like, I know. yeah. Oh my god. And it's just like wow. And I'm like, is this? I mean, it's just not reflective at all about of the general population. Mm -hmm. And it's. I think it's it's awful. You know. And I I'm I'm you know coming into my own consciousness as um, a South Asian person who has you know, who's Hindu, who has caste privilege, who has lighter skin, all of these yeah. things. And, you know, what I'm witnessing in India with the the Citizenship Amendment Act, the farmers protest, I mean, there needs yeah. to be a rude awakening. And Bollywood is just so disconnected, you yeah. know, oh my God. that this, know. this girl, this 21 year old activist gets arrested for tweeting a toolkit that Greta Thunberg, um, you yes. know, promoted. I mean, like, that's, that's horrifying. And it's really yeah. sad to me, because you know, growing up, India was like this pillar of like democracy and like different religions coexisting. And yes, we were sold yeah. this bill of goods and it's just not reality. And then I just see um, Bollywood now as this like jingoist tool of whatever ruling party is there. Yeah, and like the, yeah, the, that makes sense. And it's it's just it's sad to bear witness to that, you know, the actors might, you know, Muslim actors like can't mm -hmm. even speak out against what Modi's doing 
um, with no. the Hindutva movement and because they mm-hmm. will be censored and canceled and who knows what. Um, so, yeah, for yeah. Any, for any of our listeners who like don't really understand the context or anything like Modi has been the prime minister for how long now? Like, yeah, at least, at least. Um, yeah. And he, he's like. What Shelley's talking about is that, you know, India for a long time, like really kind of celebrated the fact that there were so many different religious beliefs within the country and that like they could all coexist. And now Modi is really pushing for this like Hindu national agenda, which basically has just resulted in a lot of hatred against Muslims in the country who have like this is their home for centuries that like have been pushed out of other places and things like that and it's just it's it's really hard to see like you know I am I'm not religious but my family is Hindu and I feel like I just am realizing like how much privilege comes yeah, with that absolutely. in Indian circles absolutely. it's 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 been a it's a, it's yeah. difficult and then you know like here we do have film stars and people who will stand up on social causes and that's I know like some Punjabi actors and singers have um, like Diljit Dasanj and some folks are are speaking up in support of the farmers in India um, Mm -hmm. where there's um, basically this law that is is changing so that, you know, corporations can kind of take over the market and and really shortchange these these impoverished farmers who are already um, suffering. And so there's some, you know, speak, folks speaking up, but for the most part, that's not the case. Um, and so that's just like, leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. And so I'm not here to really consume anything they're producing yeah. um, for that reason. I know I haven't like, you know, I don't pay a lot of attention to like current Bollywood, but it seems like the beauty standards for women, especially when it comes to like, hair stuff have not changed like for decades like Mm -hmm. there's no represent I mean but it's also true in Hollywood like the thing is we can talk about like body hair acceptance and creating more spaces to talk about that like your very amazing book um, which will hopefully move the needle but I think in America and in India we're still like at a place where bo- no body hair is right. the ideal yeah. versus like having some. And it's, it's really, <laughs> it's really disappointing. And, and one thing that I keep thinking about is like, should we, it's natural for us, I think to like comment on other people's body hair and like, maybe we need to not do that so much. Yeah. Like, I think normalizing it, like my kids, I'll be swimming with them, you know, in the summertime and my armpit hair will have grown out. And so they'll, yeah. they see that I have armpit hair. My leg hair is completely out and I, in Georgia. And I, you know, I've been experimenting a little bit myself now that the books come out. Like I had a book signing, a social distance safe book signing at a local um, Indian restaurant down the street. And I got dressed up. I wore a dress and all that, but I didn't want, I was like, I don't feel like shaving my legs. And I've written this book about body hair. Yeah. I'm not going to shave my legs. But it was still like 
very daunting. I'm like, my mother's going to be there. What's my mother going to say? All these Indian aunties are going to be there. But I just... The aunties. Actually, the aunties are the worst. The aunties are the worst. Because they are Mm. so blunt. They say the things that your mom tries to sugarcoat Mm. a little bit. But they're like, (laughs) Beta, you look so hairy. Or like, how are you you wearing sleeveless without waxing your arms? Yes. They'll just say it. They're so brutal. I have... um, What's it called? Um, it's called, it's like this, this condition that's very common. It's like excess keratin on your mm. arms and it creates these like red bumps. It's very common. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so people will be like, how are you wearing sleeveless with these red bumps on your arms? Like what? people used to say that to me. People, yes. are, I mean, it's awful. I mean, when I was in India um, over, yeah, like 10, over 10 years ago, and I had a really good friend from Bangladesh come and visit me in Delhi because I was doing my wedding shopping. And people were just like throwing fair and lovely at us, like yeah, telling wow. her to wear fair and lovely because she has darker, I mean, darker skin. And she's like, no, thanks. And people were in shock that she was like confident as this like darker skinned woman. And it was just like, and that, you know, and then that's my privilege too. I never had anyone in India throw fair and lovely in my face. They would tell mm-hmm. me not to stay in the sun too long, right? you know, yes. but I have, I have lighter skin. Um, and so it's just, you know, it's just very, um, painful stuff to bear witness to when you kind of your own experiences and then those of of people that you care about. Um, and just like all, all of that preoccupation with, with fairness. I mean, even like fair and lovely is like change fair and lovely is the skin bleaching product in the subcontinent that a lot of movies like Shah Rukh Khan himself, like advertised for fair and handsome, he which did? is the men's version of it. There's fair and handsome. Oh I didn't God. know. There's fair and handsome. Um, so okay. Like, so, but you know, Priyanka Chopra got in trouble because she's right. like, yes. you know, for, for yeah. doing that, and she's expressed regret over it. Blah blah blah. Um, but you know, I think they've tra- they're trying to like they changed the the name now. It's like glow and lovely, and it's like it's still the same product. They're still telling yeah. people to bleach their skin. Yeah. Oh my god. You know, it's yeah. um yeah. You know, and and I think it is. I do think there's a responsibility for representation in Bollywood, just like there is in Hollywood, where mm-hmm. we, you know, like I was watching, like there was this movie called Two States and it's about a Punjabi guy who's marrying a Tamil woman, but they didn't get a Tamil actress to do it. They got Alia Bhatt to do it. Yeah, and she's like, course. Kashmiri, you know, and it's like, okay, get this like really light skinned woman. that's not <laughs> even from, you know, Tamil Nadu to do it. It's like, yeah. it's, but I don't know how to, how Bollywood works at all. It seems like it's a very complicated web of corruption and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And it is sort of this weird reflection of the government, which is also upsetting, but you know, you know, Indra and I watch, you know, um, this show called real housewives of New Jersey Mm -hmm. and you know, the women on there are, you know, Italian American like me and it's interesting because growing up it's like we tried to get like I tried to get as dark as I could mm-hmm. you know it's like the complete opposite yeah and the women a- on this show are like brown yeah no, that I mean, that like, was... Indra, you thought one woman was a woman of color. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, what's going on with Who's the, the... <laughs> I used to watch. I used to watch yeah. that show. I watched it in law school. What was the yeah. name of the woman? And she was like prostitution whore. And she uh, like Teresa the Judice. <laughs> 
Teresa Judice is brown now. Like she's like basically, and and it's just like, and w- I didn't realize that that like it didn't hit me before. Indra was like, "Why are they brown?" And it's like because like that's what you do. Like yeah. when you're Italian American or like in New York, like you get you try to get as dark as you can because that's a sign of like beauty and wealth and like all these things. Which is that in Italy or just I- Italian American culture? I think it's just like I can say just like about like. Like living on Long Island and going to Jones Beach, which is just the beach and just like how brown can I get? And like where like I remember distinctly wearing white shirts to look more. in high school to look more brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that wild? And I remember like growing up, like having all white friends that it was like everyone wanted to get tan. Yeah. And right. They would sit out at the pool and you're like, uh, yeah, you're going to get cancer. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and they would but always I- be jealous of our skin. They'd be like, oh, my God, you get so tan. And I'm like, yeah, melanin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I actually think I look better when I have darker skin. So, Me too. Like, I love yeah. I love getting t- I love what my skin looks like when I've been in the sun, mm-hmm. you know, with my kids. And my ki- that's a fun thing for me with my kids is they my husband turns like bright red. We call him the mm-hmm. lobster. <laughs> um, and so he has to like wear long sleeve, you know, oh yeah, shirts and stuff when we go hiking or go to the the beach. But my kids turned brown. But it's just so interesting because, like, um, we we went to Italy when I when my son was eight months old, mm-hmm. and this and I and this isn't just Italian. I mean, I've had issues here where you know I'll be walking with my kids and they're lighter than me. They have brown hair. Yeah. They pass, and people are like, oh, like they make kind of make these assumptions, like maybe I'm not the mother, maybe I'm the nanny. Yeah. Um, which is you know really difficult because if you look if you look beyond the skin color you can tell that they're my kids I mean they have my features and right um but this Italian woman I didn't like I I speak Spanish I don't um speak Italian or understand Italian but she was saying something and she said something to um the woman that was with us like oh it's so good that the baby got uh the husband's skin color not the mother's (gasps) and I was like wow I was like cool 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 that is and she tra- and then that this woman so racist. Know, but then this that woman is- translated it into Italian English. I'm like, why would you tell me that? Like, why would you repeat what she just oh said when God. it was so awful? <laughs> oh my that is like that's disgusting. Yeah. Like, ooh. Yeah. That's shameful. No. I mean, so what what has your husband's kind of journey been as you've been writing this book and his reaction to it and stuff? Because I think he's like pro like all of it. You know, um, we're very like we're very much like a feminist household. And yeah, um, and he knows how important it like he knows that I, you know, was bullied growing up like I would, you know, um I was uh, in high school when 9-11 happened and I had a whole group of friends that were white. And then like literally months after 9-11, my friend group just completely changed. (gasps) Wow. Um, I was told I was going to hell for not being Christian. Oh, my God. People were like, how's your family in Afghanistan doing? I'm like, you're like two countries away. I told told my, my chemistry teacher, like. I was like in his, like, I was very close to him and I told him. And so he did a pop quiz the next day of a map of the <gasps> Middle East. Amazing. In chemistry class. Amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. What a great teacher. I know. And that's the thing. Like, I think, you know, 
reflecting um, now that I have children and like what experiences I want for them and what our experiences were like, they're just very distinct. I think because we are first generation, you know, first generation, our parents were, you know, newer immigrants and were part of this influx of South Asian immigrants after the, you know, the civil, the, the um, Immigration Nationality Act of 1965, which wrote on the mm -hmm. coattails of the Civil Rights Act, um, you know, they, um, we're able to come into this country. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something also we don't recognize, like how much our ability to be in this country is because of like the activism and organizing of black folks in this country. Mm -hmm. That's a really um, great point. I didn't know that. that yeah, yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, there were, I mean, there were, there, the, the immigration laws prior to 65 were basically like, you cannot become a US, there's a, there's a case involving um, Asians and South Asians, but basically was like, you cannot become a citizen because you are not white. Wow. And that's what like the Supreme Court said in the early wow. 1900s. Well, that makes sense why there was such an influx of South Asians mm -hmm. in, in the that 16th, like 60s, 70s period. Like our parents, I'm also 35, we're the same age and our parents probably came right. at the same time. So right. Shelly, do you feel comfortable talking about uh, specifically why your parents came over to the States? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think there were a bunch of reasons. Um, but, so like both of my parents um, are, are ref, you know, children of refugees mm -hmm. from partition. Mm -hmm. They were both born in refugee camps um, after partition. And um, my mother uh, became a doctor and my father is an engineer. And I think for my dad, you know, his 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 father was a, a lawyer and he didn't want to do law. Um, and back then, at least, I don't know if it's probably the same now, like the way you moved up in society was based on who your parents were and like nepotism mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, and so he was really unsatisfied. Um, and then there was also Indira Gandhi's emergency happening where she suspended the constitution and um, there was just a lot happening politically. And so um, he had a friend who was like, I'm in business school at Portland State in Oregon. Do you want to come? And he was like, yeah. And he he left um, and and went, got his MBA in, in Portland, Oregon. Um, and then my mother was supposed to be doing an internship in in London, but she gave that up because um, she, they were, they were arranged. Um, I think my dad went back to India and um, in like December and met my mom through family and they got married in January. Um, and so she had to kind of start from scratch, do residency programs here. And they oh have gosh. very different experiences yeah. of America. Like my dad is very much a, like assimilate to succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, experienced racism, but like doesn't call it that. Like he jokes yeah. around about it. Like his car um, in Portland, someone like bashed the windows of his car and spray painted "Go back to Iran," and he's like, "Wrong country, ha ha ha." I'm like, "Papa, that's I hate." <laughs> Like that's a that's yeah. a hate crime. He's like, yeah, we didn't have hate crime shine back then. And I'm like, okay. And like all the uh, like, he has these awful stories that he likes to joke about, and I think that's his yeah. way of dealing processing the pain. But like, he actively got rid of his accent. Like he would imitate disc jockeys on the radio, and so sometimes people hear him and they think he's first gen like me. But whenever he's talking to me or family, like the you know the Hinglish comes out. Mm -hmm. um, but my mom was like, I'm not going to change my accent. Other people have accents. Um, and a lot of uh, medical schools back then 
um, had quotas or restrictions on foreign medical students. Mm-hmm. Um, and she got into really great programs all over the country. But some of those programs were like, or my father's job, for example, wasn't like, oh, yes, you can transfer because of your wife's job. Like it was the 80s. And they were like, why? No, we're not going to let you do that. Um, so she ended up finishing her residency at an HBCU at Morehouse. And so a big part of her introduction to American culture was through black women that she became friends with. And they gave her like, I think a lot of tools on like how to stand up to racism and Mm, kind of what this country's. So they just have like polar opposite experiences. Cause like my mom, like her closest friends are these like, you know, other doctors, black women. And my dad is like, you know, surrounded by white men and has had to like assimilate. So they, they're just like, very, very different. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. And so when did they make the move to Georgia? I think um, I think when I was born, like they originally were in Oregon. And then I, my dad was working for Siemens, um, like doing working in the utility industry. And they transferred him to Georgia. So I was born here and we moved around a bit. We lived in a lot of different places. We lived, we moved back to Oregon. We lived mm-hmm. in Jackson, Mississippi for a bit. Wow. Oh, wow. And my, I got this like really thick accent and my parents couldn't understand me. They were like, <gasps> they literally were like, oh my God. You had like a Southern accent. I had a very thick Southern accent. Interesting. And my wow. parents, and so then we moved to Wisconsin um, and for my dad's job. And then we moved back to Georgia when I was like starting middle of kindergarten. And so I stayed in Georgia from from then until until college. And then I fled to New England. I'm like, oh, they're racist up here, too. Okay, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Then trickle trickle back down. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, accents are extremely interesting and how they indicate where someone's from and how we judge people based on those two. Like, mm-hmm. um, I remember like 10 years ago I was an, at an airport waiting for a plane and one of the stewardesses was, she She looked East Asian. I'm pretty sure she was East Asian, but she had a Southern accent. And I remember like hearing her and mm. seeing her and being like, does not compute like I've never seen this before mm-hmm. and then I like went into this place of like feeling like ashamed of myself for like I don't even know if I was judging her or right. what was going on but I was like what like of course she, she's like me like she's like me yeah. she's American like I was born in America like mm-hmm. I have an American accent I could easily have a southern accent too yeah I've just like not seen this before and it was just like it was really, it's interesting how that is such an important part of identity too. And like mm-hmm. my dad also in certain situations will try and put on more of like an Code Americanized. Yeah. And we all do that from time to time, especially I think if you're a person of color. Um, so I just wanted to point Yeah, that like out even how you say your name or pronounce your name. I mean, mm-hmm. my name wasn't, wasn't Shelly, it was Shaylee. Was S H A I L E Y, and at some point we're trying to figure out which teacher where it happened. It's like mm. there was a teacher around the time I was five who was telling me I wasn't spelling my name right, and that oh. it was S H E L O Y. And I became so insistent on spelling it that way that my parents, 
I asked my parents about this and my mom's like, I didn't have time. I was doing yeah. residency. I didn't have time to go fight with this like racist teacher. Yeah. And you were so <laughs> insistent. That's how you wanted to spell your name. And I was like, fine. Wow. And then my dad's like, yeah, we wanted you to assimilate. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Like, um, and so, I mean, I'm not upset. It's just like part of our story. So people yeah, are like, what are you? Because yeah. no, I, yeah. I was signing, I was doing a book signing and my kids, I, they have very, very like Indian names that my son's Narayan, my daughter is Uma. And so we were like, oh, you gave them like hardcore names. I'm like, well, yeah, like my name wasn't actually Shelly. It was right. Shelly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. just like part of my my journey, I guess. But it's just been, it's just funny. Like you're, when you grow up, when you grow up, and you like look back and you're like, wow, yeah, all this, all this stuff happened and I didn't even know yeah. it. I'm just like, and the intention <laughs> behind it from your parents too, you know, they, they were just trying to like give you something that they struggled with, yeah. you know, like make it easier for you in some ways. Like when your dad's like, yeah, you know, this will make it easier for you. It's yeah. Like, I mean, he did the same thing, you know, I think, I think there's something, um, so telling about your mom's like I am so busy like I don't have time (laughs) yeah you know she was like a working South Asian woman in America just being like like that's gonna not take care of itself but like I don't know it's just she had to choose her battles you know exactly she was doing residency she'd be gone for like three nights at a time yeah um there was a period where I lived alone with my dad for six months because we were we had moved from Wisconsin back to Atlanta and she was going to try to finish up her residency up in Wisconsin. And that's when she transferred oh, wow. to Morehouse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, she was she she worked a lot when I was a kid. Um, and it's something I think about a lot as like I'm a working mom. I don't I don't write picture books full time, though. I love it. Right. Um, and so. Um, you know, when I, it's, it's something I think about and I definitely had like a working mother as a model, which I I am Mm -hmm. grateful for because, um, you know, I think there's so many like pressures on like, what is motherhood? And and, and then the South Asian part of it is like this extra layer. Like, are you making dal? Are you doing this? I'm like, I warmed up. Are you cooking? Are you cooking and and working? Yeah. Yeah, Like my nanny's like, you know, like, what do you make? And I'm like, I warmed up a frozen pizza (laughs) and I put some broccoli on it. Yeah. And then that. And that was dinner. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, there's a lot of like standards for South Asian women that Oh my gosh, yes. You have to break through if if you want to work, quite frankly, and have kids. Can you guys think of something that like white people might white moms might not be aware of if the pressure that you guys have? I mean, there's a myriad of things. I mean, I think we also suffer from the model minority myth. And so there's this big pressure that your child has to be a genius and has to get Mm -hmm. straight A's and you have to talk about it and show off and all of these things. And, um, you know, I like my parents say like, oh, we didn't put pressure on you. And I'm like, you gave me three options. You told me I could be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. Okay. Oh you, like, like, yes, yes. I had, you know, you said I needed, if I wasn't married by 25, you were going to go find someone for me. Like, I grew up in like this very, I mean, my parents are like, we weren't that strict. They were strict, like, yeah. Um, yeah. by like American standards. And so that was what I grew up with. And so now I'm raising these kids and I, I'm trying to be like, you can be whatever you want to be, mm-hmm. you know, and like, 
oh, you like art. And and, and I yeah. see myself slipping. I'm like, you can study the perception of color as a neuroscientist. Right. <laughs> and my husband's like, or he can become an artist. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Know? And I'm like, oh, right. And I'm like, Narayan will like, you know, on the spelling test, he like missed three words. I'm like, what? Let's practice these three words. And Eric's like, you need to chill. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so a lot of that's learned behavior that I have to unlearn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm just raising modern kids and like my 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 kids, I, you know, my family wasn't particularly um welcoming to LGBTQ folks and mm-hmm. all that. I, I went to I went to Wellesley and I have a lot of friends that are in the queer community. I have transgender friends and my life is very different from my parents. Yeah. Like my my um my son has friends that you know I identify as queer and that's not something I've ever shared with my parents. I guess if they listen to this podcast, they'll know. <laughs> right. But I mean, because that that's my community and that's also yeah. like how I feel safe. And I don't also I don't identify with this like binary of you're either you're only attracted to men or you're only attracted to women. I just don't think that's true for anyone. Um, no, honestly. But you know, I think. Um, they were like, oh, he, you, yes, you married a white man, but he's an engineer. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and my kids are learning, like they have friends that are gender nonconforming. They have friends that mm-hmm. have two moms. It's just like a very different <clears throat> world. Um, and like my dad is always like, that's your, you know, there's this book we have. It's like boys, um, pink is for boys. Cause I was trying to help Uma mm-hmm. unlearn this thing. She picked up in daycare. It starts early. She was like, yeah. pink, oh, pink is for thing. girls. It I'm starts like, no. from before birth. I know. Honestly. The gender, gender reveal. reveal. Oh my yeah. God. And also just like, but it's also our own culture. Like we have this like very strong t- tradition of gender nonconforming transgender community with in, the, India, yeah. in India and in, in the subcontinent. And like, it's because of colonization. Like we are, we are yeah. very queer people. Even if you mm-hmm. look in like Hindu text, but colonization is what caused like the crim- criminalization of homosexuality and stuff. So it's like a process of decolonizing to be authentic to who we are. But that's our- a really good right. point. Like I just want to point out that if people don't know what we're talking about, if you look at like ancient. Hindu or just Indian art Mm. you'll often see or like Hindu gods and stuff like that yeah all like pretty feminine like Hanuman and Krishna like looks like a woman I mean, in Hanuman's, many ways. Hanuman's in like literally in love with Ram. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> literally in love with Is him. that another male is that a male? Yes. Yeah. yeah they're but both like male. There, there is this book by um Devdat Patnayak and it's about queerness in Hindu mythology and mm. it's about like how um, gen- like how the gods would switch between genders for different reasons and mm-hmm. would have sexual relations with men and w- like you know that's like part of our right. our culture and but it's been buried by yeah. colonization patriarchy and now like Brahminical patriarchy and all of that and it's and we're still in this process of getting back to what I think is our roots um, but to my parents they're just like you're just this leftist baga lady right. <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> I can um, so relate. I went to Oberlin. Okay, so very I feel similar. Like I Oberlin, get you. Yeah. yeah the, the small liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. Um, where and I mean that was also the space where like I had like friends that were growing out their leg hair and were and yeah, I was right. I was I was in this bubble of freedom, but then I had mm-hmm. to like get out of it and and find my way. And I guess 
now I'm kind of looking back and, and thinking about, you know, um, ways that I've been forced to conform and, and what, I, how I want to live moving forward now that I'm a mother to two young children and what I want to model for them. Um, and yeah. so I think the process of like being a first gen parent is figuring, I think for every parent is figuring out what you want to bring with you that you've learned right. from your family and what you want to have stay behind. And so, you know, there, there are a lot of things, um, me even talking about caste, me talking about, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of my best friends are Pakistani. Like that's a big deal for my parents. Right. Cause mm-hmm. they were literally, um, children of refugees. So there's just a lot of like, I call it like intergenerational healing that I'm trying yeah, to do. Yes. Yes. Totally. Totally. And sometimes I don't know about you, but for me, it feels like there are just some things that like, they're just never going to really understand totally. And that's okay, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it is hard. Like, you know, um, we had my on my husband's side, um, he has a a great aunt that passed away and her grandchild is gender nonconforming. And this this 90 year old 90 plus year old woman had a really hard time using they, them pronouns. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I'm not gender nonconforming. So I know that that can be a very painful thing. But I I also know that, you know, even even using the term queer is um, my friend Dominique says that it's generational and geographical. For a lot of people, that's a really good point. You know, a lot of people that was used as a slur against them. Mm -hmm. Um, And in certain parts of the country, you still can't say that. And it's a very, it's a very elitist term in some sense, because if you're in these academic circles or you talk about right. queer theory and stuff, it's very different yeah. than people's lived realities um, on the ground in, in places where that's used as a slur. So um, all, all of this identity stuff is really complicated and it's like yes. you're navigating it daily. Totally, totally. Well, this has been like such an yeah. amazing conversation. Thank yeah, you for thank going you, to all Shelley. these. Yeah, no, these are things I'm talking about all the time. And my husband's like, I'm really glad you're doing this podcast. Again. Yes, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so tell our listeners. So the name of your book is Lakshmi's Mooch. And it's um, it came out last year. No, it came out. It just came out this month, March 2nd, 2021. Oh my God. Okay. So, so we're exciting. The, three, four weeks ago. And it's my debut picture book. And it's about a little... Indian American girl who discovers she has a mustache um, when she's on the playground with her friends. Then she kind of goes on this this journey of love and self acceptance and exploration with her family, and and ends up you know celebrating rather than you know celebrating her much rather than being ashamed of it. And where can people find you online? So you can find me online. I have a website. It's called ShellyAnand.com. Pretty easy. It's my name. And then on Twitter, I am Ma Anand Shelly. It's like after Ma Anand Sheila from Wild Wild Country. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I love that documentary Oh, my God. That is on my list. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's so good. She's so – I mean, she's crazy, but I just love – I mean, now she's just taking care of old people. People, right I know I know I just there are certain things about her I just really loved my dad's like why are you using the name of like a convicted <laughs> criminal and I'm like did she but she didn't even do time right she no just she did time oh she, she did, did time. time she tried to assassinate forgot, a US right attorney. she tries to kill <laughs> yeah Wait, and she poisoned the water <laughs> and she's the one that poisoned the water yeah too, and like right? the buffet the buffet yes <laughs> 
Oh my wow, God. I can't this wait to this maybe actually we're we're planning to recap this. Maybe right. we should have Shelly back to recap it. Oh my us. God, you, we it, should watch it. I would watch it again. It's oh, so I would love to talk about it because I think the thing, Indra, the reason why I was telling you one of the reasons why to watch it is because it's like the way Western culture is like, ooh, Eastern culture, like let's just like digest it and like live it, and then you're like, okay, well you're not really researching it. And the other thing is, it was just really uh, like a, a sigh of relief to see a woman in power, kind of as the puppet master, even though she was so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it was a woman behind this huge, like, religious cult movement. And I know. so. And she was so baller because there was a lot of racism they were experiencing. I mean, they were, they right. were this like hardcore cult, but they were like this Eastern, quote unquote, Eastern religion. And like these like white interviewers would be like, you guys are, you know, would say things. And she's like, tough titties. Like she would just say that. <laughs> yeah, she just she didn't give an F. She really did. I really, and I just loved that about her, even though. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Ma Anand Shelly. Okay. After okay. Ma Anand Sheila. Yeah. Um, and then my Instagram is Likho Shelly. is L-I-K-H-O. Likho means to write in Hindi. And so it's Likho Shelly on, on Instagram. I love that. I'll put all these links in our show notes. So oh, everyone, Yay. please check them out. Chat like anyone out there who has a child, like it doesn't matter if they're South Asian or not, yes. or, or like what gender they subscribe to. Like it's conversations about body hair need to happen more. And this yeah. is just like a right. fun, playful way to get into that space. That's really positive. And like you said earlier, you've heard from a lot of people like, I so wish I had had this when yeah. I was like eight years old or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's not just for hairy kids. Like you, it's no. also a tool, just like we're having our kids read books about anti-racism and stuff. Yeah. It's a way for, to normalize body hair so that, you know, you're not the one who hears from a mom like me that your kid was teasing um, right. our hairy kids. Like, I think it's, it's for everyone. Yes, it totally is. Well, thank you so much, Shelly. Thank you guys Thanks, for Shelley. having me. We'll have so you back fun. to do Wow Wow Country. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'll have You're to rewatch clearly. it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great day and thanks so much for joining us again. Thank you. I'll see you both Bye, later. Shelley. Bye. Bye. 